right. I am so super excited for this episode of the Your Next Best Step podcast. I am honored and so super grateful to have not only people that I've worked with for the past year, but people who have also become good friends of mine. Um, We've been through a lot this past year. And in fact, this is episode number 120, plus they are also my first ever client that I've had on this podcast that I've interviewed. Most of the people that, um, well, anybody that I've ever interviewed has all been um, colleagues of mine or friends of mine or, you know, other business owners, but this is the first time I've actually had people that I've worked with on the podcast. So I wanted to just say welcome to Kenny Fisher and Victoria Bruner. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Kenny. That's Victoria. <laughs> In case you couldn't figure that out. So thank you guys so much for taking time out of your schedule to join me on here and to really share your story. Um, Cause that's what this podcast is all about is it's about real people, real stories, um, real experiences. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Thanks thank for having you. us. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. <laughs> Thanks for helping get us to this podcast point. Ah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to bring them on. So again, so they could tell their story. I mean, they have quite a story, which they're going to get into in a little bit, just, you know, how they got started in the business and how, um, how they got to this point, which is amazing. I mean, ever since I started working with them, I mean, I've learned so much about both of you as people, but as entrepreneurs and the drive and the passion that you have. And I've worked with a lot of people over the past decade. And I will say that you guys are probably one of the most dedicated and passionate and purpose-driven people that I've ever worked with, which is just, I mean, it's just been such a joy. So I'm going to read their bio and then we're going to get started so you can learn a little bit about them. So Kenny Fisher and Victoria Bruner are partners and co-founders of Fatty Bikes located in Denver, Colorado. So if you're definitely in Denver, check them out. Their line of electric bikes are one of the most customizable in the world, and they are one of the few companies to build their electric bikes here in the U.S. And as they say, we build colorful bikes for colorful people. More than their bikes, their focus is to build a community of people that want to reduce their carbon footprint, break free from their car dependency, and ride a form of transportation that is, as Kenny says, designed by you and built by us. Love that. Their bikes and their passion make commuting and exploring effortless and enjoyable. So let's hear a little bit about you. So tell us how you got started in the entrepreneurial world. Well, that goes back probably a couple decades. Um, Kenny and I both are kind of serial entrepreneurs. Uh, I got my MBA in sustainability and a business school that was focused on sustainability and definitely on creating entrepreneurs that, uh, well, business people that were going to create businesses and become entrepreneurs, but in the sustainability track. Um, And I think you just have always been a natural entrepreneur from a very young age, actually. Um, You know, start with the lemonade, like all all the best. Um, But I moved from lemonade to your name on rice. I think that was one of my first your- Real businesses. Yeah, it was Your a kiosk in a couple different malls where we would write people's names on a piece of rice and that put it into a necklace. Business. And um, yeah, we sold a lot of rice 
Springs. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was myself and uh, a friend of mine. And then that transitioned to bamboo floral arrangements. I've never this. heard this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I met him, he had been doing it for a couple of years. I may still have the kit, Teresa. So, you know, I might spell your name wrong just because it's too long for me to actually get on a piece of rice. But, um, you know, you might get a grain in the mail from me. <laughs> want one. I definitely want one. <laughs> um, but, you know, I thought that was awesome. Just being, uh, going where the people are and these kiosks, you're always surrounded by a bunch of folks and start to learn what works and what doesn't and realizing very early on what you don't know. And just over time, things sort of evolved where after Victoria and I got together, I realized that anything that I did had to have a little bit more social or environmental impact than just selling for the sake of transactions and, and profit. So that sort of spawned our first business together, which was called Frifronies, spelled F-R-F-R-O-N-E-Y-S, Frifronies. Frifronies. Um, and it stood for fruit fritters and honey. Yeah. And um, so that just came from making dinner one night with some friends, uh, a Thai, an entirely Thai meal. And we made fried bananas and honey for dessert. And that's a really famous street food in Thailand. And we just kind of put our, you know, Kenny Victoria twist on it and started doing bananas and apples and pears and strawberries. Uh, and uh, we essentially called it healthier than funnel cakes. Healthier. healthier. Um, yeah. But then we even had fresh fruit bowls that we did one of those pay what you want type options for. Cause that's really been our thing. It's like, if, if people need access to good food, we want to be able to give them that access. And so we had some folks come up and give us 10 cents for a bowl of fresh fruit. We had some folks give us $10 for a bowl of fruit. And it was really that pay it forward method. And, and that was pretty cool. And I don't know, where did we go from there? Uh, well, um, we produced one of the largest upcycle festivals in the country. It was called Palette Fest. Um, it's what you can do with waste when you look at a different at it with a different perspective. Um, you know, upcycling for people who don't know is, is one up than recycling and that you take something and you turn it into something else that would be considered waste. So pallets, plastic, glass, you know, you name it. You know, we even had a trash uh, fashion show um, at the end of the uh, one of the nights that we did it. So, you know, there was just tons of vendors, different upcycle vendors. We had a, a, you know, a maze, a pallet maze, one of the largest in the world, mm -hmm. lots of stuff like that. So that was our next uh, kind of reiteration of ourselves was this, was this festival. And it was definitely something we loved. And it was a passion project. Um, and then finally. Well, before we go, finally, oh, okay. um, just to do Pallet Fest a little more justice. Um, Are you going to talk yeah. about how you came up with it? Absolutely. With the chickens? I mean, <laughs> because it's, it's those times here's the thing is i had kind of stepped away from business and just like okay you either got to get a normal job and, and things of that sort and this has happened to me a couple times including to where we are today um and then you sort of find yourself back in that grind and um victoria and i at the time we had kind of gotten out of the city we had 10 acres especially in the desert it was the san luis valley um but life slowed down and and so we had chickens and a goat and like a little small hobby farm and I was building a chicken coop one day out of wooden shipping pallets. And then I started building the fence out of pallets. And I was like, man, you can make anything out of these. If you can make a chicken coop or a fence or a wine rack or a whole house out of pallets, why not one place that showed all the potential? 
of how creative you could be when you look at waste with a different perspective. And so for, for us, pallets are, were like Legos for adults yeah. and um, it's endless. And so I was like, well, I'll do that. I'll make that, you know, the world needs it. And I, although I had no experience uh, with any kind of festival promotion or anything like that. And so I was like, how do we make ourselves look bigger than we really are? Some guy from San Luis Valley. And I was like, oh, I should go to Denver and tell the city of Denver that they should get behind this. And so that's what I did. And I, I brought down a couple dozen multicolored eggs for my chickens. Um, I don't know if I had a business card at the time. So I figured, oh, they remember me this way. <laughs> and um, had, a, had a meeting with the sustainability director from the city. And essentially, I told him, hey, I've got this great eco event. It's perfect for the city of Boulder because they're super green and super eco. But that's why we should have it here in Denver. And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. That's right. And so... Um, from, from there, it kind of took on a life of its own. Once I had their logo, it gave us a little bit of credibility. Um, we started getting digital billboards down here in the city. And uh, yeah, by the second year, we had like 15,000 people attend the event, seven bands, uh, the mayor had come out. Um, we had a reality show filming us at the event the entire time. That's amazing. And then we, we made the host of the reality show, a, a young man, uh, actually be a model in our upcycle fashion show. So someone made him a kilt out of bicycle tubes and bike parts. Um, it was awesome. Well, and the bicycle and the bar- bike tubes, that was kind of probably some foreshadowing for us, whether we knew it or not. Oh. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, because where we are now, our shop is designed and built out of wooden shipping pallets. And our accessories are often made out of repurposed uh, materials from a company, in fact, that was at Pallet Fest at the time. And so we, we've come full circle with this, but it's, it's really just more of we're seeing ourselves, I think, come out onto this more tangible vision that we're bringing to life in whatever business we've taken on. So, Wow. That's amazing. So from there, you, um, so then Fatty Bikes was born, right? Yeah, we kind of went back to the corporate world after we stopped doing Pallet Fest for a few years. And then Penny was working a corporate job. I was working at a nonprofit and we wanted to drop down to a one car household and we started looking into options to only use one car. And so public transportation, regular biking, Uber, Lyft, you know, whatever we could think of. And I was doing research and I was like, hey, have you seen these electric bikes? And even though we're both in the sustainability world, I, I had really not paid much attention to electric bikes. And he's like, no, but let me see this. And then you went down the rabbit hole and you're like, I got to get one. And he got one. And um, from there, it was like, you know, this is something that could really tr- transform transportation, could really revolutionize it. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. So. For less, I think for for us, I meant um, it, I think it was less about biking more and more about driving less. Right, and that's what the electric bike kind of created as far as an opportunity of this micro mobility that I never even knew existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sustainability is has definitely been. Um, I mean, that's been kind of the theme, you know, in all of your even back to the rice days because you were kind of repurposing mm-hmm. rice, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right out of the pantry. <laughs> Exactly. But (laughs) sustainability has always been, has always been a theme, but also, um, as I said, I mean, you guys are hugely purpose-driven. Um, and I think like no matter what business you had, 
it was never necessarily, even though everybody wants to make money, right? But it was never necessarily about the money. There was always a grander theme behind it. Am I right? Yeah, I think. Um, or a greater I purpose, I should say. Greater purpose, right. It's called social enterprise. You know, um, it's kind of marrying nonprofit and for-profit worlds into one so that something called the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit. So that, you know, you're doing good, but you're also still a business and making money. Um, I think nonprofits struggle with always having to raise money for their missions and spend half their time just trying to raise money. And so many businesses, they're making money, but they're really not, either they're not having any impact or they're having a negative impact. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, we wanted to be able to have impact and still make money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we learned that with Palette Fest. Like we sort of essentially birthed this amazing thing into the world. And when you create a festival or something like that, it takes you a year to produce just to be in the public eye for a couple of days. You're really vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there. Um, you also don't necessarily know, how am I going to make money doing this? Does it come from vendors or sponsors or the city or tickets? And what we didn't want to do is charge the public because we felt like everybody should have access to learning about how to be, how to repurpose, how to, how to make a chair, should they need a chair and free wood via that pallet. And, but then we also learned after the fact how expensive it actually was. And so it was really hard. We were up there being celebrated and, and we were so proud of what we, we created. Um, but then at night you're like, ah, I've got nothing to show for it. And part of that was either, um, we were idealistic. Part of that was we didn't have the experience. Part of that was we didn't care. We just wanted to bring this into the world no matter what. And I think if we did care, or if we did focus too much on the money, maybe it wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have right. happened the way it did. Um, but we had to put it down. I think one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur is having to put down your baby. Um, you've got so much invested into it, your heart, even more so than your money. And um I have a feeling that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who, like me, don't feel like they're putting something down as much as putting it aside for now, uh, because it was too good, too great um, to, you know, not come back sometime when the time is right, uh, and we've, when we've learned how to make money off of it. Uh, but no, it, it did. That's what sent us back in the corporate world, and for myself, sort of the entrepreneurial spirit sort of faded away for a moment because it was so hard having to put Palette Fest down. Yeah. Um, and then the moment Victoria's like, have you seen these e-bikes? It was boom. I, I, I was like, if I'm only just learning about this now, I know so many other people don't know about these. That's it. I'm in. Um, and then well, one thing I wanted to say about entrepreneurship is with each of the businesses we've started, we had no idea about that. We didn't know anything about mobile food or food trucks or that world. We didn't know anything about throwing a festival. We certainly didn't know anything about the electric bike world. And in each of those endeavors, it's not for the faint of heart starting a business, period. But then really not knowing that world is even is even tougher. But I think um, it's just something that you have to be passionate enough about to, to, to barrel through all of the, those challenges. Because um, if, even if you're just good at something, it's different than actually creating a business out of it. Right. So that's a whole nother ball. You know, yeah. Ball game. Mm-hmm. So what do you think your biggest, um, and that kind of leads into the next question I was going to ask you is what do you think your biggest challenges, um, that you faced, you know, now building fatty bikes, I mean, you've had fatty bikes for four years, right? 
Correct. Yep. Just, right. just started so, our fifth year. So what do you think has been your biggest challenges that you faced? Well, we are, we've created a business that um, is already kind of a difficult business to create in that um, it's a widget, but it's a widget with a lot of different components and a lot of different parts. And it's a very, um, it's, it, it involves technology, it involves components and it involves um, a lot of labor. So we've, we've kind of taken a difficult industry and made it even more uh, difficult by building them as well by customizing our own bikes and, and added even more complexity onto it. So I think over the years, just learning how to manage a very top heavy supply chain heavy company has been a lot to learn. It's, we're not a tech company. We don't just have to hire bodies and have them all work on computers. We are a electric bike company that custom builds our bikes. So there's, there is a huge learning curve there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure you have more to add. Very much so. That's I mean, just... learning how to do international business, how to import, um, learning uh, local shipping and um, how to navigate when politics gets in the way with tariffs and, um, you know, pandemics. Um, yeah, there's there's all, all this. Yeah. So it's like a constant roller coaster. I think that if I had known the actual capital requirements that I would really need to be able to launch with comfort, um, I would have either taken an entirely different approach or like I said a moment ago, I wouldn't have even approached it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes ignorance is bliss. Uh, my personal motto is I'm not worried about the jumping the gun. I'm just focused on being the bullet. And so that's what I do. <laughs> but sometimes you find that, wow, that was great. And it's been a couple of years. And now how am I going to turn this into a profitable business? <laughs> um, the universe you know, works in mysterious ways, Kenny. It, it does. It does. <laughs> um, law of attraction, though. So. Yes. And we're, and we're trying to put it out there and we're trying to put ourselves out there and not just create what the other guys have, um, you know, but be a company of substance, which a wise woman once told to us, that's Teresa. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because actually that's really resonated with me. It's one thing to have a great product, a product you believe in, a product that's different and better, but it, it's not enough in my opinion. You were voting with our dollars, every dollar that we spend, and who's it actually going to? And so for, for us, it's like we want to be that company that other people want to do business with. I, we're the company I want to do business with. We're real people. We're good people. Uh, we offer great value, great service. Um, I tell our customers, you know, we do it. It's harder the way we do it. It's more expensive the way we do it, but it's the right way how we're doing it. So that's been huge. And it's been rewarding for us to know that we're coming out in our business, who we are and our, um, you know, what's important to us, but you know, it's hard. It's really hard work and the commitment, the tenacity being resilient um, and not looking at a situation as the end of a road or something that's just going to stop in your path, but it just is what it is. It's part of business. It's part of life. You push through it and then there's something even greater on the other side. And so the obstacle is the way the obstacle is the way. No, that's that is true. I mean, obstacles are are given to us to either, you know, get us closer to the result that we're looking for or give us the lesson that we need or the detour that we need to get us closer to the result. So and one of the biggest challenges and this is when I met you guys, I mean, you had 
here you're going, you're growing like slowly and then COVID happens. And with a lot of businesses, you know, businesses were closing and, you know, different things were happening and you guys saw a huge growth, but you also saw a lot of challenges. So what do you think was, because the way that you got through it, (laughs) grit, gratitude, and grace. Um, So what was the biggest lesson that you learned going through, like that was a big obstacle, but it was a good obstacle. But at, at, at the same time, it was one that, you know, gave you a lot of lessons. So what, we, what do you think was the one biggest lesson that you learned from that? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word grace, just so you know, grit, gratitude, definitely, but not very graceful. <laughs> um, sometimes you have scratch graceful. and claw. Victoria um, was graceful. <laughs> Victoria's always graceful. Um, Wow. Um, biggest lesson. Go for it. Do you have something? Luck favors the prepared. And we were, (laughs) (laughs) we were not quite prepared. (laughs) Um, you know, again, talking, going back to the supply chain, I hate to harp on it, but it is, it's a big factor in our business and, and other types of businesses like this. Um, being to forecast into the future is, is important. And obviously nobody could predict a pandemic, but, you know, plan B, C, D, you know, I mean, plan it, forecast it, try to, to expect, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, the worst in situations and with the supply chains, that's no different, especially nowadays. I think people are understanding that. So biggest lesson for us was um, make sure that you can secure, you know, your supplies and have, have a strong relationship with who your, who your suppliers are as well. And, and have open communication with them because at least on our end, um, we weren't, we were, we were caught off guard. So we were super thrilled to have all these sales, but then we couldn't fulfill them in the timeline that we were trying to get them to people at. And, right. and I think forecasting is right because larger, more experienced companies understand and they understand how, when the ebbs and flows occur, how they need to manage their ordering processes from there. Um, whereas, budding entrepreneurs don't quite get it. And you might be going off of your current, oh, it's a three month turnaround and I tend to put this much money into it each time and so forth. And that could just be turned upside down instantly. And in our case, it was. And so as much as the orders were coming in, our ability to fulfill them disappeared. And then the stress, the damage control, um, the service to quality, all of that can suffer. And so how do you manage through that and, and take care of your customers and thankfully, we had very little fallout in comparison uh, to, you know, those who stuck with us. Um, I think a lot of people were understanding through COVID, but they were understanding because we were all experiencing this pandemic. But most consumers don't know what the businesses are actually experiencing. That's and true. yeah, it's, you know, because it's new to the, most of these businesses and then the, the shipping industry. This is something well, was- new entirely. I was really thrilled when the Suez Canal happened because mm-hmm. it woke up people to the world of shipping. Oh yeah, right. Hey, guess what, folks? You're you're everything comes on these giant giant boats. boats. I remember and watching that with my husband, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I hope their bikes aren't on there." <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but you know, it definitely backed up everything, and it was the shipping industry was already backed up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think. In a way, in a weird way, COVID and the Suez Canal and all this kind of did customers a favor by lowering their expectations because I think the world was already going that way. And I think COVID just kind of accelerated it. 
Um, so I think it's been in some ways looking on the Pollyanna silver lining of it all. It's like, hey, guess what, folks? Now people get that when you say shipping delays, people are like, oh, yeah, I get right. it. Yeah. And they understand. Right. You know, and for us, I think one of the biggest lessons now that we're talking about it is we realized that we needed to be able to control as much of our process as possible. And so that's when we really started pivoting from being like the other guys to evolving into who we are now and continue to grow to be. Because by taking more control, we said, okay, we're going to paint our own parts. We're going to build our own parts. We're going to source as much locally as we possibly can, like our accessories and tire liners and other things like that. And then even though we still have to source components globally, at least we have more control when it gets to us. Um, at least we're not dependent on what they produce on an assembly line there. So we know that the quality control is higher and, and we are building in some, I think, resiliencies and redundancies into our business by taking more control. And hopefully that continues to, to evolve further. Um, but I think that was one of the smartest moves we made. And again, it's harder that way because now you have to build the product yourself. Um, but, you know, most of us want to support local or American made type companies. And um, there's really very few out there actually doing that kind of stuff. So I think we have taken this leap, um, even if we knew it was, uh, you know, going to be ungraceful at times. <laughs> <laughs> do you, so do you think that that was the biggest transformation that you had that you experienced this year was, you know, really realizing that, you know, how to be you and not worry about what anybody else was doing or was there something else? I think that's still, we're still learning that <laughs> how to be us and, and who are our, you know, core uh, audience and, and core market, we're still, you know, you have a very young industry. The electric bike world is actually a pretty young industry. And I'm sure you see this in each industry that's new that comes in. First, people are kind of price conscious. And then as it develops and matures, you know, they're looking for other things, kind of like the car world. We, we kind of compare ourselves to probably what the car world was like at the beginning. Um, and you have different levels of cars where you have be you know cheap college car that you buy and then you have the like the nicer car when you finally get a good job and then the even nicer car as you go on in your life and mature and I think with e-bikes right now it's it's a it's it's still in the young phase and so people are just kind of price shopping but we think we're kind of on the next cusp for the next year or two when it matures and people are like you know what I had this cool really you know, cheap e-bike at the beginning, but I actually want a much nicer one. And so that's where we kind of start to step into our own and people start to look for fatty bikes as the second second or third e-bike that they want to purchase from us, from us because we custom build this beautiful e-bike for them. And they're not just looking at price shopping, but they're also looking at a company that embodies who they are and who they want to be. And I think that's where we're really going to start to come into our own. Um, so we're kind of almost waiting for the industry to catch up to us in a way, which is a little bit of an odd feeling, but, um, the market, the market, the market to catch up to us. So, mm -hmm. but, um, I think, you know, we have some great core followers right now. And so we're just, you know, learning that core market and those, the people who are supporting us now and trying to grow that audience. Awesome. Yeah. I know one day I'm going to get a leopard printed e-bike. 
I already told my husband because I have leopard pants. Hot pink leopard? Hot pink leopard like my pants. <laughs> nice. Um, if anybody can do it, Teresa. I, mean, I, know. You know, I know. And we're excited that this uh, He's All That movie is going to be coming out soon. So we're really hoping one of our pink bikes is on there. Um, it's the remake of the 90s She's All That. So that's coming out later this month. We're just hoping to catch a glimpse of one of our fatty bikes. Uh, if not, then I've got a pink bike available if somebody wants to buy one. Um, there we go. But- there we yeah. go. Okay. A uh, little like plug here. Watch. He's all that when it comes out, right? Well, watch it. If we post if saying, Hey, know. check out our bike. If you don't <laughs> see that post, <laughs> it would be so horrible. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, we could do pink leopard skin, uh, if you like. And, you know, and I think it's kind of cool because with us, we're not offering a much more expensive product. Uh, we're not saying, oh, we're building the most high-end component product. We still want our product to be affordable and accessible to anybody. We don't want to just serve the affluent. However, what we're also doing is offering people a chance to personalize their ride in a way that we've never had before. Um, cars are just too expensive to customize. And so we don't do it. If we, if we could pick our colors, if we could pick the steering wheel or the mirrors or the seats and, and all that st- stuff, the stereos and all that, we would. But in only certain cases do we get those opportunities. And so we're now bringing that to people through the electric bike. Um, and as we get to the pink leopard skin <laughs> capabilities, which we're close to, um, then it's like it's game on. You know, yeah. you want what makes you feel good. What you know, it's not about, oh, this one costs ten thousand dollars. That's why I bought it. It's like, no, this bike was twenty five hundred bucks and it's badass. You know, I designed it and a local U.S. company built it. And so that's. That's us coming into fruition. Um, But, you know, I think that's on the product side. On the business side, I think the, I wouldn't say biggest change, but maybe biggest understanding was how much we didn't understand, how much we didn't know. Um, As we mentioned, everything from the kiosk businesses to Fafronis and all that, it's like, you're just kind of going through it. And it's actually pretty easy in that first year or two, because you're just, you know, you're working to build momentum, get your product out there and so forth, but that's not enough to actually have a sustained business. Mm-hmm. And that's when you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot more from the forecasting to the budgeting to the, to the processes, the processes, 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 <laughs> the management of the team, and then, you know, the management of yourself. Um, and, and so that's where I think we probably experience our most growth. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't come from a how to run a business for dummies handbook. Uh, (laughs) It it came from a a friend connecting us to a person who was far more experienced than ourselves and maybe knew nothing about electric bikes, but a whole lot about getting the foundations down in order to really have something that you can build upon. And I think that's, that's what came from working with you. And that's what we're continuing to build upon every day as we go now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you guys, from when we started working together until where you are now, I mean, you've, I've seen a tremendous amount of growth in you, but you've also taught me a lot about, um, you know, your industry and just, just that purpose, like being purpose-driven. I mean, you, as much of, as I may have helped you, you also helped me to see a different side of things that I may, I mean, I've always considered myself to be purpose-driven, but, um, you guys just bring it to a whole new level, which I think is, is huge. And it's, it's one of the things that really sets you apart. And 
I was going to switch gears and talk about that for a minute because you have, and if you're comfortable talking about it, there's a, a an idea that you have and something that you're going to be launching that we've talked about the giving back. Um, and then you also have, you have two different things that you're doing with giving back. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause I think it's phenomenal. So you want to talk about it? Kind of your, kind of your idea. Um, well, I assume one is the leg up yes. program. Um, and so I'll talk about that for a second. Um, and especially cause that, that idea is actually evolving as we speak, um, which is really cool. So, um, essentially, you know, unfortunately an electric bike isn't accessible to, to anybody. Um, but people also don't realize they don't have enough context in comparison to know that they're already spending that kind of money. They're spending it on public transportation. They're spending it on lifts. Um, they're spending it on time. Uh, you know, if it takes them two hours to get to work, or they're spending it on a broke down beater of a vehicle because they still have to pay for gas and insurance. So even though you might spend a couple grand on an e-bike, it's one and done. And now you have mobility, true mobility, effortless mobility, just like a car, but far more fun. And so that's another part of the market catching up and really understanding that this isn't a bicycle. This is um, a, a light electric vehicle. And so um, that said, there's a lot of people out there that can, can really benefit from this. And so we are working with a local podcast and some friends to do what we're called the fatty bike leg up e-bike giveaway where essentially we've got people who are writing these sort of heartfelt letters about somebody they loved or family member or friend. And it's like, Hey, you know, so-and-so is a single mom and she hustles. She works so hard. She gets her kids to, to work. She, you know, or to school, she goes to work, but she's got to sit at the bus for two hours a day. And da, 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 da. and these stories that let's be real, they could be repeated a million times over in this country. Um, these people need access to, to something that we can provide. And I think for the first time in our life, we're like, whoa, we, we can give somebody something really, really special and really amazing. Um, and an unexpected gift at an unexpected time is the absolute best thing you could ever do for anybody. That was advice I got when it came to dating, in fact. An unexpected gift at an unexpected time. You know, forget the flowers when you're in trouble. <laughs> um, so, you know, now we're, we're putting that on a far more grand scale. And if somebody's writing this letter, we read this letter and it's like, wow, this has really touched us. We're connecting with these people then on the street. We're saying, hey, here, we're going to introduce ourselves. Kenny Victoria from Fatty Bikes. Sarah wrote us a letter about you. We're going to read you the letter and essentially tears, hugs, and then we give them the, the electric bike. Um, and then we're going to be following up with them from there too. It's like, how is this thing taking care of you? Is it working? Is, are there advantages? How can we learn from this? You know, we're not just giving this to you and go. We all want to learn and benefit so we can connect with other people and this is definitely something that I think when business gets hard and stressful and you, I don't want to say forget why you're doing it, but it's just not, it's just not, you know, really driving you as much as it used to at times. It's things like this that can really help bring you back. Like I know I'm going to change somebody's life with this. I'm going to create a moment that will last with them forever and last for me forever. And so it's not about the bike at that point. It's about that human to human connection, which I think, we all need more than ever and to show that um, good people and love still exists and that companies can actually still express that love. And so I think that's what we're trying to do is connect with people in our community, 
Um, but, you know, we want people to see this. We want them to see it and, and see that, wow, this recipient got what they very much deserve. And, you know, Fatibex is a pretty darn cool company. Maybe I should tell some friends about it. Love it. So, Love um, it. you know, something for all of us. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted you to talk about that because ever since the day you told me about what you were going to do, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I remember when we were meeting and and we were you were telling me, like, I felt like I had tears. I was like, that is such an amazing idea. And, you know, it just really speaks to who the two of you are. I mean, yes, like the like the whole bit, the whole purpose of having a business is to make money. Right. But it's more than that for you. And it always has been. And, you know, you've all, you've also been all about paying it forward. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's such an endearing quality about the two of you. So that's why I wanted you to, to talk about it a little. Um, so what advice, obviously, well, obviously, or maybe not, but the two of you are married. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, what advice would you, would you give other people who are in business um, I mean, you're COO, CMO, and CEO. Um, what advice would you give other people who are married and either going into business or have a business um, to make it successful, make that partnership successful? I think you. That's a loaded question. Kenny's face. <laughs> I'm glad gonna... she's talking first, but I don't know what she's going to say. <laughs> I mean, all the cliches that they tell you, don't let your business bleed over in your personal life, all of that, you know, don't let, you know, don't fight, don't get, you know, blah, blah. I, we don't, we do all the wrong things all the time. We do, we don't we <laughs> let it bleed. It's all over. It's like, you know, it's like oozing everywhere. So that we're not good at that. But I will say what probably makes us work is that um, we complement each other's personalities and one of us is good at one thing and the other is good at the other. So um if we were both good at the same thing and be a lot of this and then other things that were really critical wouldn't get done. So I think for us, the key has been um, that we play off each other very well. We're both. And then again, we're both very passionate about what we're doing. So um, when it's really hard and we've got our nose down in the dirt, it's like, yeah, but just remember who you are as a person. We have to tell each other that. So we've got each other's back, um, you know, an interesting, we had an interesting experience once when we were first starting the company and we we're trying to get into some of these accelerators that you hear about that like help you start your business. And um, we were really afraid to tell this one accelerator that was interested in us that we were married. And they actually said, actually, we like that you're married. We find that couples who start businesses are actually more successful, contrary to, you know, opinion, popular opinion. Or, interesting. So I did not know that, but, and I think we make it work. I think it's not easy and it bleeds all over our personal life, but uh, I think just that we complement each other and our skills rather than having similar ones or, or, or you know, being like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. up against each other. I don't know. I'm sure you have some opinion. Um, well, I agree with everything Victoria <laughs> always says. And that, so that's that important. helps. And so I agree with that there. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so a couple things, few things, probably many things. Um, first, as far as within the company, it's really important to define roles. Who does what? How do you communicate it about each thing and not feel like, you know, you're stepping on each other's toes. You don't both need the same email communication from everybody. You don't both need to be on every phone call and every this and that. Divide and conquer. 
um, but then come together and join forces and then you're that much stronger as a result. So really um, defining each other's strengths and um, Victoria does far more brain related tasks. I do far more, I wouldn't say brawn related tasks. I've got people to do that and I was never good at that <laughs> either. Um, but I, hey, 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 handshake. Hey, hey, hey. Bye, bye. Um, so no, um, we're, we're good together and that helps. So one on the business side, I think defining roles really helps. Then I think on the home front, a couple things. First is um, know when to turn it off. Um, and I, I think early on working with you, you encouraged me to create that email uh, auto response. I'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. And something not only freed me up during the day with that, but it made me feel like when I went home, I did not have to log back on to my emails. And just like your head's gonna, always going to tell you, it's either a fire you have to put out or um, you know, somebody's there with a million dollar check. Um, it's usually one more than the other. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it's often not a fire either. And it's just some BS that is now just distracting you from being with your family. Yeah. And so I think knowing when to turn it off uh, when you go home or in the evenings is super critical. Um, giving yourselves time together, take walks, whatever it may be. That's what we do. And we sort of decompress that way. But I think the, the last thing that I would say on it is um, gratitude and, and sort of recalling the moments, the experiences and, and how far you've come. And it's often easier for one of us to do that when the other's not in that headspace. You know, because when somebody's in a, in a negative or a stressful headspace, you're seeing what's right in front of you right then, right there on the micro, but you're not really acknowledging the macro. How far have you come? How many obstacles like this have you overcome? Is this really going to stop you? Absolutely not. And so it's that other, that partner there, which I think normal business partners, you each go your separate way. And maybe you don't quite get that. You might get it in the office or on the phone call, you know, when one's crying to another, but definitely in a relationship, you're always around each other. The business is always around you. And that ability to sort of bring the other person back to center by being like, look, look what we've done. And let's feel good. Let's feel proud. Mm -hmm. And um, it does. We both had to do that many times for each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, doesn't make it easier, but it, it makes you appreciate more. It makes you want to keep driving. Uh, and I think that's what matters is, is getting up and, you know, going at it again, continue to build the dream, um, yeah. but make sure that you take the time for what matters most. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I mean, I would imagine my husband's not my business partner. He, I fired him. He, mm -hmm. he was, my, he, <laughs> was my, uh, he was my, he was my manager and I fired him, <laughs> but um, I can imagine it probably makes, I mean, with you go through stuff personally as a couple, but then also going through stuff with a business and yeah, you're, you're both in it, making your dreams happen. It makes you stronger. So I can imagine like from a relationship standpoint, it makes you a lot stronger see, it helps you to see different sides of each other. Right. So, and you definitely, the two of you do work well, very well together and you do complement each other phenomenally. Right. Um, so you, know, you, can't, you can't have the dream without experiencing the nightmare and the yin and yang. And so I think that's where the compliment true. comes in. When one person's like, this is a nightmare. The other's like, no, no this is a dream, you know? And so sometimes that's what you got to do. That is, that is very true. And it's so funny because I had my, my hands in the position of the hard and soft, the yin and yang. Oh, as wow. soon as you said that, isn't that weird? Kenny, <laughs> on the wavelength. Um, 
All right. One last question before I ask you some funny questions. Sort of funny, I guess so. Funny for me. Um, what advice would you give your younger selves? You know, I've always kind of followed my own path. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I could have done any, I would have done it any differently. Um, I think the biggest advice I'd give myself is meditation and being in the presence. And I'm still learning that lesson. And who isn't, right? Unless you're like a monk living in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But um, I think the biggest thing is being in the present moment and being in meditation. I mean, I know that's kind of a fad right now, but it's really true. Uh, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you're going to have a lot thrown at you every single day. And you've got to have the mindset. You've got to be, you've got to know how to center yourself. As Kenny mentioned a little bit ago, you've got to be able to center yourself with or without your partner. Um, otherwise, the monkey brain is going to, to do everything it's power to have you freak out on a daily basis. So Learning that lesson early on and studying that as a practice early on, I think would have been super helpful for me throughout my life. Um, and it's now just something that I'm really trying to start to implement. And I, you know, I, 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 it's like this trying to do that, but it's, it's definitely a, an important key, I think. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Kenny? Yeah. So for myself, um, I would definitely tell myself, Hey Fisher, keep that motto, man, be the bullet. Don't worry about jumping the gun. That said, you know, I think that that said, you know, I think that kind of how what meditation and being present is meant to do. I think that's the hardest thing for, for us to do is be present. And, and, and so for myself, you know, I'd probably say, look, life is made up of, of these experiences. It's not the things that matter, but the experiences you have. Um, within that experiences are made up of moments, just single moments from a, a smile to a giveaway, to something that makes you feel good to something that was really hard, but you overcame and to not let those moments pass unacknowledged. You know, I don't care. Journal that thing down because that's when you're going to go back and be like, Oh my God, 20 years ago, I wrote that. I went through that. And and not only did I overcome that or whatever, but I had the same or similar type of experience here. And, you know, and so I think just keeping a little track of our own life wins, uh, life obstacles and hurdles. And, and I think that helps you recall the moments. And so by doing that, you do realize that, wow, I've really evolved as a person and that no matter how hard things may feel in that moment, um, this is what life is all about. And this is what growth is all about. And so I think I would have been able to appreciate the journey a little bit more, which I'm learning to do now on a day to day, but appreciate it more from the start. Um, just by saying it's not about that destination. So many of us Americans, especially, I think it's always someday when I get there, you know, and that's almost like saying, I wish I could just open this book and read the last page and know what the whole story was about. Mm. It's like, who cares about the ending? You know, all, all the juice, all the good stuff is, is every page, every word, every letter in between. And so that's, that's life. Life is every letter. So. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so many like good, like sound, like sound bites here. <laughs> Inspirational, like gold nuggets 
from the, from the wisdom of Kenny and Victoria. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, before I ask you my last question, I wanted to do like a rapid fire, like um, of just a couple like questions, like getting to know you guys a little bit more as, as people. So Victoria, what's Kenny's biggest pet peeve? <laughs> Not being appreciated. <laughs> I, I do need a little recognition sometimes, but, but I, I, I was, I was going to say, I really, you know, when somebody doesn't always tighten the lid on a jar, um, ever, he that's to be, part of it. Kenny needs acknowledgement sometimes, occasionally. Like, oh, wow, you tightened that lid for me, honey. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, babe. What is, what is Victoria's biggest pet peeve, Kenny? Um, Kenny's neediness and, and acknowledgement. <laughs> um, Victoria's pet peeve, uh, really just people look, if we didn't, don't do it Victoria's way, then it's wrong. And so naturally anybody would be annoyed by somebody else doing it the wrong way. So I would just say other people doing things wrong, um, would certainly just be understandably um, annoying to anybody. Okay. Kenny, what's something, um, what's something interesting that people don't know about you? Um, something interesting that people don't know about me. Um, we'll play it safe. Mm -hmm. Um, so show here, (laughs) (laughs) right. Well, how about, uh, I have a background in something called permaculture and this was definitely through Victoria, most of who I've grown to be is through Victoria. Um, and, and I think that's awesome, baby. Just so you know. Um, but permaculture is, is a combination of permanent agriculture um, and permanent culture, how to grow renewable, sustainable systems, uh, how to mimic nature rather than manipulate um, nature so much. You know, we don't want to grow a giant field of corn, a monocrop, because now you get one corn eating bug and now you lost everything or you've got to spray it with this poison and, you know, and that kills all the good stuff. And so it's about biodiversity and um, companion planting and systems thinking. So really creating environments, living um, productive environments that I think are the true model for how we can sustain this life as we know it on this planet. And so learning about growing food, um, I think, and not just growing food, but permanent culture because you have surplus. And so, so I, I think that kind of, that just like opened my eyes to so many things. And then I've carried that with me into the businesses I've had as well. Interesting. How about you, Victoria? I was going to say I used to be a belly dancer. Oh, you did? Uh, yes. Awesome one. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. That's awesome. But recently, I have another funny story is uh, we a documentary came out about the biosphere. Do you remember the biosphere back in 92, 93, when all those scientists went and lived in it for two years? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually worked for those guys as an Did intern. Did you really? After I graduated, as, as I was graduating from college, after they were out of the biosphere, and it was a few years later, I worked for all those guys. And let me tell you, there is an interesting group of people, as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> So when we watched the documentary, I was like, yep, that's them. I'm sure. Um, I turned to my daughter. I was like, your mom worked for those people. (laughs) Those crazy, amazing people. Other than that, yeah, I used Mm -hmm. to be a dancer and and mainly belly dance. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I did not know that. Hmm. This is the first time I'm hearing about that. (laughs) 
Oh, we'll break it out sometime soon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That'll be in the post clips. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, funniest memory of Kenny, Victoria. Funniest memory? I know I mean, there's a lot. Like daily funny memories. There's a lot. Um, you go first. All right, Kenny, what's the funniest memory of Victoria? Okay. And we still got to go home together after this. So I've got to be careful. <laughs> um, let's see. Funniest moment or memory of Victoria. Um, can I tell you my scariest? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Tell me you're scariest. And this wasn't me afraid of her. It was just me. So, and this is just only because this is what pops in my head. So um, I was going to propose to her. Um, This was, she went to school, her getting her master's in Bainbridge uh, in Seattle. And so she would go out there once a month from Colorado. And I went out there to propose to her and um, had this huge thing planned. Like I had so many people in on the right people in on it. We had a lot of moving intricate parts to pull this off. Yeah. Across the country, a lot of moving parts. And um, like I'm there and then finally I'm like ready to go make this happen. I just have to catch this ferry to cross the water. To get to the island, Bainbridge Island. And then something happened with the ferry and it wasn't going anywhere. And there's people like, oh, you know, I'm going to miss my show or whatever. And like your show. <laughs> I'm supposed to propose at 7 p.m. at this spot. <laughs> um, oh, no. So that was just a personal fearful moment, I'd say. Um, but I'll, I'll have a funny memory about Victoria at some I, point. I, here. I have a funny memory of Kenny. Okay. Speaking of belly dancing, um, I did a performance and I had a lot of outfits. And when we were desperate to, I don't think it was, it was for Halloween. We need a costume for Kenny. So uh, our daughter was like, why don't you, you know, dress him up in one of those uh, feathered outfits and we dress him up <laughs> essentially as Lady Gaga. I, I looked he like was Lady la- Gaga. He looked like Lady Gaga. Oh, my God. There was a lot of midsection showing, pearls, boa flowers. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm the last person to wear Victoria's belly dancing outfit. It's awesome. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I was hot. Just I want to see if you had a blonde character. wig, so you were definitely Lady Gaga, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and I like to get into character. And Kenny's <laughs> tall and thin, so I'm sure he had nice legs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kept my poker face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, this has been um, this has been awesome. Um, and before I let you go, I want to know one last question: What is your grand future grand vision for the future of fatty bikes like what is your biggest dream with this world dominance a radio interview once and somebody's like you know what's what's the big vision here and i was like you know i don't foresee like going after an e-bike empire here uh we just want to make something great and impactful and then victoria's like I want an e-bike empire. So, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, man, we're ready to make that check swing up and for people to recognize who we are as a company, as people, the product we're producing, the care and TLC we put into it, the TLC we'll put into them and, you know, put your support in us and you'll see what a real company can do as they have the ability to really grow. Um, not, none of this, you know, overcapitalized, um, you know, throw money out there and just buy and market and promote BS companies like real 
a company that people can like feel good about being part of. Mm. Um, we all want to be part of something. And I think Fatty Bikes has the potential to create that feel. The bikes ha- is a com- our common bond that can bring people together. Um, but, you know, a place to, to create connection um, while also um, influencing the way people commute and really transforming that all together, taking cars off the road, getting butts on bikes, and, um, you know, putting smiles on people's faces, life slows down on a bike. And, um, but it doesn't mean that you can't get where you're going just as fast as any other mode. Um, And you also have the fatty, we forgot to talk about the fatty bike membership. Um, but you also have the membership, which is also connecting people together and bringing that community together. And it's not, I mean, the bike is kind of the vehicle vehicle for two different reasons to get you in there, but the community is more about the connection, which is what you guys are so, um, all about is having that connection with like-minded people, you know, so awesome. So where can people find you online? Tell us, tell, tell the audience where they can find you. WWW worldwide. <laughs> Fattybikes.com. F E T T E B I K E S.com. Okay. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Awesome. <laughs> um, and fat, fatty bike stands for fat tire electric. Um, so F A T T E electric e-bikes are called Wonderful. electric bikes are called e-bikes, but yeah. So fattybikes.com, or you can call us at, uh, 720-440-2971. Kenny forgot his phone number. Oh, no. <laughs> It'd be like Ghostbusters. We got one. And then that will go off and we'll build you a bike, man. Go time. <laughs> well, thank you. So, like I said, I thank you so very much. And I am so grateful, um, that you joined me today. Um, I, I mean, anybody who's listening to this show is going to get super inspired by your story and, you know, the next time they're in Denver, they can check you out, whether they buy a bike or rent a bike or, you know, just come down and see you. Um, you guys are amazing, um, entrepreneurs, but you're also even more so just amazing, amazing people. And you have a special place in my heart always. So thank you so, so very much. Um, and I just, like I said, I'm just so grateful, um, to have gotten to meet you and to know you and to been able to work with you. And, um, it's just been like amazing. It's been an amazing journey. So thank you so much. Thank you, Teresa. You, you've been amazing. (laughs) Thank you. We've been through a lot together. We have, we have. (laughs) Um, and you know, if I can just go on for just a second, it's like for anybody who, who works with you or another coach, but you chose wrong, you should have chosen Teresa if you do that. Um, (laughs) just know you're, you're going to have the frustrating moments. You're going to have the tears, you're going to have the combativeness with your partner or even with your coach. Um, but man, it's part of the journey and, and we're sitting here, we're smiling, we're laughing. We, we are connected. We're forever connected. And so not only have you helped influence us and grow us as individuals, but helped us grow our business to the point where we're, we're proud to be on your show. And we deserve to be here talking about what we've done and what we're doing because we have, done the hard work, you know, and, and sometimes you need, um, other people to really help guide you through that. So thank you so much yeah, for, for everything. Teresa. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you guys can check out fatty bikes at, um, www.fattybikes.com F A T T E 
B-I-K-E-S.com. Don't forget to check them out. Um, they have an amazing line of bikes, but they also, if you buy a bike, you also have the opportunity to become a fatty bike um, member in their membership where you get all kinds of perks with live rides and connection and community. So definitely make sure you check it out or check them out on social media, um, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. So, um, thank you again for joining me and I will see you guys again next week. Take care. Bye for now.